All right, so Matt, what kind of fruit do vampires eat? Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Nectarines. <laughs> Hell, I should have been able to guess that one. <laughs> and welcome to the graveyard thank you for joining us tonight my name is adam and my name's matt now pull up a tombstone or settle into your casket and get comfortable because this is graveyard tales (laughs) all right everybody how you doing tonight brother hey i'm sick (laughs) (laughs) yes you are and not Man, just mentally either. I'm telling you, it has been a rough. It has been a rough last seven, eight days. You can tell my voice is not back. I feel better, but my voice is trash. Yep. I mean, I, everybody's going to be like, "Who is this other dude on here <laughs> with Adam?" Yeah, there's a new co-host. Who's that? <laughs> okay, uh, I don't know. Go, go back, go back about you know, 30 episodes and I'll probably sound like this then too. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sometime last year, Happens. about the same time, yeah. you know, but about this time of year, you know, bam. Yep. So, and we're, uh, but, we're recording this on a different night than normal just because of that. Uh, Matt got sick and we couldn't do our normal Wednesday record. So if it sounds different, that's why it's a different night. You know, when <laughs> d- different atmosphere. Yeah. Each night has a whole different feel. Right, to it. right. And, you know, we're wearing different clothes than normal. It's all odd, you know. So we would like to thank uh, this week's sponsor, AMC Shutter. Uh, we'll talk about them a little bit later, but Matt and I both love Shutter and we're so happy to have them as a sponsor for this week. And we think you guys will like them too. Um, and we have a question for all of y'all. Um, if Matt and I were to do a live show in Dallas or around the Dallas area in Texas next year, 2020, um, who, who all would be interested in going? We would like to get kind of a heads up, you know, holler at us, put in the group or something, just say, yeah, I would go. Um, cause we need to try to figure out like a venue, to have it at and how big a venue and all that stuff. So holler at us and let us know if you would be interested in that 2020 somewhere around the Dallas area, having a live show. Yeah. And we're serious this time. Right. So (laughs) we, we talked about this earlier this year before we knew Adam was going to be moving to Texas. So, right. So that's why there was no 2019 live show. But we're we're serious on this one for 2020. So, yeah, if you're interested, let us know. We had such a great time at the last one. Uh, we would love to meet some of you guys. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're willing to go to Dallas, uh, let us know. I know I know I am. I hadn't. I've only been to Dallas once. So we so got to get you down here again. I'm I'm I've got a reason to go back. So <laughs> <laughs> so let us know. Yep. Holler at us. Let us know. We can start making plans for event and all that kind of stuff. Um, we know a lot of y'all have asked for a live show again, and Matt and I really want to do one. Um, so this will be our opportunity to do it. Um, on that note, Matt, I've got nothing else. Uh, what are we talking about tonight, brother? Okay, tonight we are going to talk about uh, what is uh, considered to be Ireland's Alcatraz. And that is Spike Island. It's a cool place. It is a cool place. It's it's an island right off the coast. Um, it's it was a fort initially, mm-hmm. but it changed hands between the Irish and the British, and it was eventually turned into a prison. Right. Which you'll learn was problematic because it was never <laughs> built to be a prison. And so 
Logistics say that if you turn something that was never meant to be a prison into a prison, you're bound to have problems. Right. <laughs> and as if we've learned anything on Graveyard Tales, it's if you have an old prison, you're going to have some spooky crap going down. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just oh, yeah. how, it, how it seems to work. Um, yeah. Especially so, the old prisons. Yeah. Old prison island. Mm-hmm. I mean... You know, what What else do you need? <laughs> yeah, right. If it was built on limestone, maybe we could add That's one right. more layer to it, you know. Uh, so let's get into it a little bit. Uh, dig into some of the history here uh, before we get into some of the spooks. Um, we we figured this would be a good episode for Hallow Month because um, Matt and I don't just celebrate Halloween one day. We celebrate it for a whole month. Um Maybe or every day, if you're going to say <laughs> <laughs> maybe our entire lives. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like Matt said, this uh, this island has been dubbed Ireland's Alcatraz. It was also called a few times Ireland's hell. Now, there's a quote that says in the mid 19th century, Spike was not only the largest prison in the world with two thousand three hundred inmates but also a place of severe punishment, of hard labor, strict discipline, and religious instruction. Uh, This was by John Flynn, Spike Island's lead tour guide. He also said that's why it quickly became known as Ireland's hell and hell on earth. Now, Spike Island is a 103-acre island in the center of Cork Harbor in Ireland. Um, And over the last 1,300 years or so, the island has been many different things to a lot of different people, as Matt was hinting to earlier. Um, Spike Island has been host to 6th century monastery, a 24-acre fortress, the largest convict depot in the world in Victorian times, and centuries of island homes have been on there. The island was a site for holding prisoners all the way back to Cromwell's time, and Cromwell was an English politician uh, who died in 1658. So it's been a a holding place for prisoners for a long time. Yeah, and it's been around a minute. Yeah, right. Um, But it was at the height of the Great Famine in 1847 that Spike Island became a full-scale prison. Uh, It was used as a convict depot used to house prisoners before they were deported to Australia. So this was the layover before Irish convicts went to Australia. They were awaiting transport there, um, and they were tied together by ball and chain and put to work on the island with shovels and pickaxes. You know, you, you bring up the thing. Imagine, imagine living in that time and and going to prison and knowing you're going to get shipped off to Australia. Right. I mean, it's going to take you months to yeah. get there. Right. So you're going to be lucky if you even survive that trip. No kidding. And now they've got, you know, an an island that's a, a continent. Yeah. That's a prison. Yeah, it, it's a continent of things that will kill you. I mean, even to this day, everything in Australia wants to kill you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just the the reach of the British Empire was just it, it was unimaginable. Yeah, when you when you start digging into history and the stuff that the British had their hands in, you know, mm-hmm. not just not just Australia, but Egypt and India and everything. I mean, they just they just had their had their fingers in so many pies and you're just like, well, what are we going to do? We're going to ship these people to Australia. You're like, what? Yeah. (laughs) You have another continent. (laughs) You have a whole prison continent. How is that? (laughs) It's insane to me. Of course, there's already people living there. Like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing? What are you bringing all these people here for? Exactly. Hey, you're bringing the bad people here. Right. (laughs) Well, that, that's just like people say uh, the aliens do. They bring Bigfoot, who are the criminals, to Earth and drop them off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what we are. We're a prison planet. Yeah. Prison planet for, for all the galaxy. The aliens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the earth and stones that they uh, these prisoners collected in wooden carts was so heavy 
that it took 18 men to pull each cart. So they were doing some really hard labor. Um, they were charged with building this fort that Matt mentioned earlier. Um, <laughs> so you're not only imprisoned on this island before you're going to a prison continent, but you're being forced to build a fort that, yeah. I mean, again, you don't care about. It will eventually about. become a prison. <laughs> right. So let, let's talk about uh, the fort for a little bit. Let's talk about Fort Mitchell. Now, Fort Mitchell is the biggest thing on the island, and it has been for many years. It's a 24-acre star-shaped fort, and it's one of the largest star-shaped forts in the world. And it was cutting-edge military technology when it was completed around 1850 or so. Now, the points of the star shape meant that defenders could arc fire all over the island, making the whole island one effective kill zone. So should anyone get close enough to the fort, the flanking galleries made for ideal sniper positions for shooting people. So it wasn't just a pretty thing to see. It it had its reasoning for the star-shaped fort. Mm -hmm. Now, the whole fort is set down in such a way that it can barely be seen by enemy troops, so it makes it almost an impossible target for ships to hit which is another ingenious thing. Um, the fort was designed by General Valancy, um, who they characterize as a character of his time who had four wives and 14 children. So this guy was, I guess, pretty wild back in the day. Um, <laughs> I have that many kids, you know. Um, God bless him. Yeah, right? <laughs> He, he probably was not sane yeah. after having 14 kids. Um, no. The work on the fort began in 1804 when the threat of invasion from Napoleon was very real, but it was left incomplete with his defeat at Waterloo. Now, two earlier forts had been built beforehand as the strategic importance of Spike Island was noticed long before Winston Churchill would call the island, quote, the Sentinel Tower of the Approaches to Western Europe. Now, on its completion, the fort was designed to garrison up to 3,000 men, but the famine years drove up the prisoner population, and Spike Island instead had to keep men in rather than keep them out. So this is the change when Matt was talking about the fort becoming a prison. This is that time period. Um, But the last of the prisoners left in the late 1800s, and the fort was used by both the British and Irish Army and Navy over much of the 20th century before becoming a prison again in 1985. Now, the fort originally was called Fort Westmoreland, but it was renamed Fort Mitchell after the nationalist hero who was a prisoner on Spike Island in the 1840s. So it became a prison twice in its existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so they have what they consider the punishment block. So I think we need to talk about the punishment block for a minute, Matt. Yeah, this is when uh, this is when history is scarier than any ghost story. No kidding, <laughs> right? <laughs> that you can imagine. You know, yeah. the, the, the horrors that human beings will inflict upon other human beings are, are usually the most terrifying things that you can discuss. And right. When, when we're talking about, you know, th- this era in time. Oh, it's know, bad. It, yeah. I mean, there, I mean, there's no, there's no laws regulating the ethical treatment of prisoners. No. I mean, they pretty much did whatever they decided to do. And if it was horrifically gruesome and brutal, then so be it. Right. And the more gruesome, the better, really. Yeah. I mean, hell, I think a lot of these people used it as entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, they did. You know? They would they would go and watch it, have a big town get together, drinking mead, eating pork, and watching people get tortured. It's weird. Yeah. Um, so the punishment block is the only purpose-built cell block in the fort. Um, it was built in response to the murder of William Reddy in 1856. Now, work began in 1858 using local limestone. There's the limestone, Matt, with military and convict labor, and it was opened in 1860. 
Um, it consisted of 28, 28 solitary confinement cells and housed the, quote, penal class, which was considered the most dangerous prisoners. They were heavily chained and clothed in, clothed in black from head to toe with a veil hiding all but their eyes. Yeah, now, that's nice. Yeah, it's bad. Conditions inside the block were the harshest uh, anywhere inside the prison. Um, at first, the cells were furnished with only a stool, and convicts slept on the floor. All you had was a stool. Uh, prisoner descriptions of medieval conditions in a Victorian prison outraged many people at the time. Uh, but there were several suicide attempts, and the block was the main reason that Spike Island was described as hell on earth by the penal classes. Now, during the convict era, 1847 to 1883, it housed political prisoners. For several years, it was referred to as the Mitchell Block, as it was incorrectly believed that that's where he was held uh, in 1848. Now, prisoners not held in solitary confinement were crammed 12 to a cell. Overcrowding, malnutrition, and poor sanitation meant that fatal diseases and mental illness were just commonplace in that in the prison. Now, quote, the prisoners are like a menagerie of wild animals that snarl and fight in defiance of their keepers, wrote prison chaplain Charles Bernard Gibson in 1863. There is evidence that at least 1,200 men died on the island. So a lot of death on that island. Imagine being a guard at a prison like this. No, thanks. I mean, these people are going insane. Yeah. And at this point, they don't care if they right. even realize that, you know, they're they're in prison anymore. You know, yeah. you go walking past a cell and you get a little careless. Well, some dude's going to rip you to shreds. Yep. Pretty much. Oh. They've become feral Man. at that point. Yeah. Um, now, one of the probably worst things on the entire island was there is a children's prison that held up to 100 young offenders. They were between the ages of 12 and 16. Now, many of the boys uh, and adult men were sent to Spike Island as a direct consequence of the Great Famine, 1845 to 1849. Most of the time, it was for petty crimes like vagrancy or stealing bread or chickens. So you could be sent to this place for just trying to get food for your family. Yeah. Can you imagine? No. You get you steal a chicken? To feed your family and you wind up there. Yeah. And you're Uh, 12 years old, you know. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, couldn't believe it. So, obviously, with the history of this place and how many people have come and gone, there's been some characters that have lived on the island. Um, You know, prisoners and just people that have lived there and everything, but... We need to talk about a few of them so that you'll kind of understand the people that were there and, you know, maybe get a feel for some of the haunting activities that Matt's going to talk about um, just to kind of understand it a little bit. Now, there's a guy by the name of James Gray. Now, he was a Manchester-born thief who would become infamous as the criminal known as Jack in the Box, which is... I actually, they I saw a commercial for Jack in the Box earlier. They have some bacon cheddar fries that I really want. Um, so this does not help this craving. I'm hungry. Tacos. And, oh, dude. Yeah. Get some of the why Jack did, in the why, Box tacos. Why, why are Jack in the Box tacos so good? I mean, it's, it is ridiculous. It's because they're covered in grease. That's it. I they, guess. I don't know. I mean, you know, you... You could have a Taco Bell and a Jack in the Box sitting next to one another, and I'd want the Jack in the Box tacos. Yeah. Well, I well, mean, <laughs> if you haven't had a Jack in the Box taco, they take all of the stuff and they put it down in the, the tortilla thing, and then they fry the whole thing. Yeah. So the cheese is melted all the way through it, and it's, it's you, unbelievable. You need a beard to soak up the grease that is going to run out of your mouth. <laughs> So if you're a lady eating a Jack in the Box taco, grow a beard because that's the only way you're going to deal with the the grease. So anyway, he was known as Jack in the Box. Now, Gray constructed a large wooden box with levers and hinges so that he could open it from the inside. 
Now, he would climb inside the trunk, have a friend mail it to accomplices in Cork, Belfast, and Liverpool, and while the box was en route, he would climb out and pillage the carriage. He stole jewelry, fine clothing, and anything of value that he could find and fit into his box before climbing back inside and then being shipped on to his accomplices. Now, all the train staff were mystified, and they couldn't figure out how any of the goods were taken. Well, his thefts were unsolved for years until a lodger in his house read in the Times about a reward for some fine shawls, and those same shawls were draped across the chair that he sat on. (laughs) Right? That's a way to get caught, right? Yeah. So... (laughs) The house ended up being searched and police found his trunk that he would be shipped in. And in 1856, James Gray was arrested and sentenced to four years in prison. Now, he returned to Cork in a very different box, though. This time it was to serve his sentence at Spike Island. So he was there in Spike Island for quite a while. Yeah. Um, And that's quite a character. (laughs) What if they what if they mailed him there? Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> that would right. be fantastic. Guilty. Get yeah. in the box. <laughs> Climb inside the box. <laughs> but this one doesn't have my levers. Yes, we know. <laughs> so that's where he, the old uh, the old thing where they would get a box and they would run a sword through it. Oh, yeah. Just to make sure. Yeah. The no, magic I'm, trick. I'm, they would, I'm kidding. I about just made that up. But and, I mean, if if knowing that this guy was out there, then that's what I'd do. But, All right, I'm gonna stick a sword in this box. Yep. And if you heard a whimper, you were like, "Oh, it's Jack." That's right. We got you. <laughs> so there was a man named Henry Swears, and he attempted to escape from Spike Island in 1863 by swimming from the town of Cobe. Or Cobb, it's C-O-B-H. I know I pronounced that wrong because there's an H in there that my brain doesn't think there needs to be. Right. Um, So C-O-B-H. Now, it was 1,800 meters, um, so that was no small feat to swim that distance. Now, rough seas meant he only got halfway and was forced to turn back. Now, (laughs) can you imagine having to turn back Getting uh, halfway. A, yeah, and then having to turn back. And not only are you defeated by the seas, but then you've got to hang your head as you walk up and go, yeah, I tried to escape. Well, my thing is, is if you made it halfway, you're kind of like, I may not make it back. Yeah, right. I might as well just keep going. Yeah. I got to swim just as far to go back yeah. as I do to keep going. There must, I, I must not be able to fully comprehend what? Because I'm thinking, if he fought that hard to get that far out into open water, yeah, you know, I mean, I mean, even it wasn't like in the middle of the ocean, but I mean, it's it's a large body of water. Yeah, I mean, it it it'd be like swimming swimming from Alcatraz. You yeah. know, it's just maybe you, just, you wouldn't think that you could even even attempt this, much less actually do it. Right? Maybe the tide was going the you know maybe. toward the island, and it was easier. Or, you know, there was somebody standing on the other side throwing rocks at him, and he's like, no, I just need to go back. I can't fight the guy when I get there. I don't know. It didn't oh, really yeah. say. There's people standing there no, waiting. No, he was reprimanded with lashes arrive, and time in the punishment block, um, which was typical for an escape attempt. Two months, two months later, he tried again, and this time several boats were sent to intercept him, and he was again caught. Um, He got more lashes and more solitary confinement. Um, Now, they sought special dispensation for him to be able to punish him outside of the normal law. And it was decided he would wear heavy chains to deter another escape attempt. You know, otherwise he'd sink to the bottom of the ocean with those chains on. Um, he, He was made to wear the chains every day going forward. And he carried these chains for a full two years before his eventual release. Um, he, he got to, you know, walk out of the gates at that point after two years. But to me, I was like, well, if he's carrying these heavy chains, you just made him stronger. Right. That's what I was thinking. Two years of carrying heavy chains. This guy, I mean, he's going to whip your butt now. Yeah, that's you right. Know? 
Take his chains off. He's going to kick the crap out of yeah. you. Don't catch him at the bar later. I mean, he's been lifting <laughs> chains for two years. I, I guess he was uh, originally the, he was the first two chains, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so there's a guy named Joseph Dwyer, um, and he's known as the Gravedigger. Um, he was a well-educated graduate of All Hallows College in Dublin. Now he tried to live a he, he tried to live a high life um, that he could afford, um, but he couldn't keep down a job. He ordered clothes from a Dame Street tailor and paid a deposit with the rest due on delivery. Now, a porter named Mulholland was dispatched, and en route, he was met by Dwyer, who gave out to him for being late. Now, he led, he led this porter down an alleyway to a stable and going inside began to fumble in his pockets. Now, while Mulholland went to light a match, Dwyer pulled a pistol and shot him, but he only shot him through the nose. So then a fight started. So through can you the imagine nose? He shot him through the nose. That's all he could do is he just shot the dude's nose. Um, <laughs> so Mulholland called for help, and when a policeman came, Dwyer ran. So they tended to the porter, and they lit a lamp after that, and they made this what is called a grim discovery. Dwyer had a freshly dug grave ready and waiting for the porter. And it was only so he could get those fine clothes that he ordered and not have to pay for them. He was sentenced to 20 years and spent most of his 20 years at Spike Island. So for a set of fancy clothes, he he was sent to Spike Island. And right you got to hate that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that. Same thing happened to me. All I wanted was a good set of clothes. and That's right. Well, you know. <laughs> a, good, right. a good set of clothes was a thing. You know, everybody else walking around wearing rags and stuff. Right. <laughs> you know, you, you go a long way with a nice suit. See, no kidding, thing. right? People thought you had money, and sometimes people thinking you had money was just as good as having money. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, it, I mean, it's enough to shoot a dude's nose off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next guy we got is Robert Kelly. He was a Republican who murdered a British informer who had infiltrated the IRB, a man named Constable Thomas Talbot, who was shot and assat- in an assassination-style killing and it drew a uh, huge publicity. He had also been involved in famous Finian trials of the time, and he chose to remain in Ireland after all of these trials. So his subsequent trial aroused national interest. The trial became a sensation when Kelly was cleared of murder after his lawyer, Isaac Butt, that's a name, Isaac Butt <laughs> argued that Kelly shooting the constable did not kill him, but rather doctors removing the bullet did. Okay. <laughs> so, I mean, you got uh, you got my vote on that one. It wasn't me shooting him. It was the I, doctors I didn't trying to fix him. <laughs> I just put a bullet in him. Right. If they'd have, if they'd have left him alone, he'd have lived. Yeah. You know, Quit for, trying to pull the thing out. <laughs> I mean, I just gave him, a, I gave him a new, you know, addition to his body, and then you killed him trying to get rid of it. The authorities couldn't let an assassin like that get away with such a famous murder of a spy. And so Kelly was held in Kilmanham prison before eventually being guilty, being found guilty at a retrial of shooting with attempt to murder. He was sentenced to 15 years and served eight months in Mount Joy before being sent to Spike Island, where fellow Republican John Tierney was also held. When I first saw that, I thought of Tenney, John yeah. Tenney, the paranormal investigator guy. Uh huh. Yeah. And I had to reread it and go, nope, it wasn't John Tenney. Never mind. You're off the hook, John. <laughs> wrong guy. Yep, wrong guy. 
Um, so he served two years in the punishment block before being sent back to Mount Joy with the press reporting the awful treatment Kelly endured while in the block. The reports highlighted the mere half hour a day of exercise that Kelly was granted outside of his bare cells and how Kelly was kept with a man whose face was half eaten by cancer with whom he was forced to share a drinking vessel. This at a time when the transfer of such diseases was not understood. So they at that time thought that they're forcing Kelly to get such a thing by drinking out of the vessel. Yeah. Um, He had a special warden assigned who watched over him day and night and ensured he always labored long and hard and reported of his food being served to him on the floor. So this guy thinks he's better than everybody else because that seems to be the way they treated everybody in this prison. <laughs> you know? So Ireland's most famous assassin was eventually released in 1878, but his health was broken. And on his release... He described Spike Island as being well known as hell on earth among the prison class. The reporter who interviewed him said Kelly's recounting of his treatment made him ask, is Spike Island in a Christian land? He did not live long after his release, dying within two years of being granted his freedom. The story of his treatment on Spike Island caused an uproar and condemnation from all the corners of the world. So... I mean, he was famous, so that's why the uproar, but they apparently treated everybody that way. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't. They didn't treat him any worse. Exactly. It it wasn't like a special case. No, but that's, I guess, what he was hoping for being the famous assassin and all, you know. Yeah. So let's talk about, I got one more guy to talk about here. Um. A, a guy by the name of John Mitchell. Now, Mitchell was born in Camnish near Dungiven County, Londonbury, and on November 3rd, 1815. The son of a Unitarian minister and United Irishman, he was educated at Trinity College in Dublin before entering a solicitor's office in Newry County Down. He later practiced in Bainbridge County Down, and in 1836, he eloped to England with 16-year-old James Verner, Jane Verner, but was brought back in custody. They eloped again in 1837 and were married. Now, Mitchell began writing for The Nation, which is a paper, and when Thomas Davis died in 1845, Charles Gavin Duffy invited Mitchell to join the newspaper full-time. Now, he was subsequently... He subsequently wrote master, masterful descriptions of the potato famine, contributed a life of Hugh O'Neill to the Library of Ireland, and he edited the poems of Davis and James Clarence Mangan. Uh, in 1846, Mitchell and other young Irelanders broke with Daniel O'Connell, rejecting the doctrine of moral force, and founded the Irish Confederation. Now, more impatient than Duffy, Mitchell soon left the nation and the Confederation and in 1848 published the first issue of the United Irishman. It openly preached sedition to, quote, that numerous and respectable class of the community, the men of no property. And in May 1848, Mitchell was convicted of treason, felony, and sentenced to 14 years transportation. He hoped his sentence would provoke an insurrection, but nothing more than a skirmish in County Tipperary ensued. Now, John Mitchell was sent to Spike Island where he was greeted by the warden and advised he had been told to treat him with respect. During his short stay on the island, he began writing his jail journal, which would go on to become an influential text that highlighted the terrible conditions suffered by Victorian prisoners that did little to reform their behavior. It sparked an outcry for change in prison conditions and objectives and changes that were implemented on Spike Island in the coming years were used the world over and gained the term the Spike System. Now, an original copy of the text is on display in Spike Island, open to pages referring to his Spike Island stay. Mitchell was transported from Spike to Van Diemen's Land, now Tasmania, uh, where he escaped 
1853 to America and published his famous jail journal. In one entry, he welcomes the Crimean War, believing an Irish rebellion can succeed only if England is preoccupied elsewhere. The sentiment influenced Patrick Pierce in 1916. Mitchell launched several newspapers in America. In 1867, he founded the Irish Citizen in New York, but angered Finians by suggesting they should give allegiance to their new country. In 1875, he was returned unopposed as MP for Tipperary, but was disqualified as a convicted felon. Returning to Ireland, he was Ireland. He was again elected, but died at Dromalance Newry on March 20th, 1875, before he could be unseated. The fort on Spike Island is now named for the famous nationalist, and a room on the island tells his story with a video presentation and artifacts. Now, Matt, let's talk about this week's sponsor. It's AMC Shutter, and we just love Shutter. AMC Shutter is a premium streaming video service. It's super serving fans of all degrees with the best selection of horror and thrillers. Shutter's irrepressible and thriving community revels in all things provocative, evocative, and dangerous. And they, Shutter does a great job with putting together all of, of these amazing shows that people like us, Matt and myself, and probably a lot of you guys out there really love to watch. A lot of old horror and and a lot of new horror and documentaries and everything. Now, you can stream great thrillers, horror, and suspense for only $5.99 a month or $56.99 for the entire year. And as Adam said, Shudder has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. There are new spine-tingling thrillers, shocking horrors, and edge-of-your-seat suspense added weekly. And you can stream this from your iPhone, your iPad, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Roku, Google Chromecast, and so many others. Yep, and I I love the fact that it's on Amazon Fire TV because that's the easiest way to get it. If you've got that, just go on there and stream it from there. Now, Shudder has some exclusive titles that they've got available currently right now, and they've got Creep Show, which is a Shudder original, and there's another Shudder exclusive called Lizzie that is very apropos for Matt and I for this month. And if you're listening to this ad then you will get a little taste of what is to come. So go check out Lizzie, a Shutter exclusive. And Amanda and I, we got our Shutter membership and watched Discovery of Witches, which I've talked about before. It's a fantastic show based on the books by Deborah Harkness. Um, if you like vampires, witches, and, and demons and things like that, you're going to love this show. Uh, it's a Shutter exclusive. And October is a fantastic month to sign up and start streaming the most horror you can imagine right now. Oh, yeah. Now, our listeners can try Shudder for free. That's free for 30 days. And all you've got to do is go to Shudder.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com. And you use the promo code GRAVE, G-R-A-V-E. Yeah, to try Shutter free for 30 days, go to Shutter.com. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R and use the promo code GRAVE. And you know, it's it, it was really strange, but the, the area around the cell, John Mitchell's cell while he was on Spike Island, it's it's very active. Now, some people will want to credit this to his ghost, but he he worked so hard to get out of Spike Island. Right. I don't know why he would want to go back after death. Right. You know, maybe maybe he wanted to go back because they named it after him. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. But but the area where where he was held or supposedly held um, it is pretty active now. Now this is according to the staff that's there on the island, and you know Spike Island wasn't open to the public until 2016. 
and right. they, they do tours. You know, they have regular staff. Um, and, and so there, there are people there, you know, routinely that, um, you know, they, they not only are they, are they working to just give tours and they do give, you know, after dark tours, but they, uh, they work to preserve, you know, the structures and the buildings that are there and the history that's there. Mm-hmm. But while there, they they do run into some very strange things, and and the, the area around John Mitchell Cell is one of those places. Now, in that area, uh, staff members have reported hearing cell doors slamming and the sound of marching footsteps. Now, all of that is pretty common, but on several occasions, staff members have reported seeing a white mist float out of the cell itself now former duty petty officer jimmy losty describes the night that he and another gentleman were coming down the hall behind mitchell's cell now losty says that they saw something moving that caught their attention and as they approached they saw the white mist firsthand floating above the ground and as they approached it suddenly disappeared and so you can uh, you can read uh, Mr. Losty's account, um, and I actually was able to watch a, a video interview, um, just a brief uh, clip of him describing this encounter. Uh, and and you know he's he's one of these guys that you look at him and you're like, this is this is not the guy that's going to tell you he <laughs> saw something, right? If he didn't see something, right? I mean, you can just look at him. I mean, this guy. He's a he's a hard looking Irishman. I mean, so you gotta when he talks, you kind of want to take him serious. You're like, <laughs> right? If this cat saw something, he saw something. Yeah, and you know, like I said, it, it's it's a common occurrence. He's not the tall um, tail type, right? It's a common occurrence for people to see this white mist, but the the sounds, you know, the cell door slamming and the footsteps, also very very common in that area, but. The staff members there, they have places in that main in that cell block, but other places in the prison where they refuse to go alone. I mean, it's just it's that creepy. I and can imagine. We go into this history um, of what this place was like and the people that were there to kind of give you an idea of why would this place be haunted? And, you know, these kind of deplorable conditions. And, mm-hmm. and and the people that not not only the death, I mean, you know, death is one thing, but just the torturous conditions that these people had to try to survive. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. if I'm sitting in a cell with a guy that, you know, this guy murdered four people and I stole a loaf of bread. Yeah, you know, right. That, exactly. That that's going to play on you really, really hard. It that's going to drive you insane. It it's going to turn you into something that you're not. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Just to and survive that kind of that kind of stress and strife and emotion. You know, it leaves an imprint on an area. You know, we've talked about this before, where you know events like this, you can it's almost palpable. You know, you can feel it when you mm-hmm. get there. You know, it's like. Something really, really horrible happened here. And in Spike Island's case, it happened there for a very long time. Oh, yeah, it did. But the the island, the island has, uh, you know, a, a lot of activity of the paranormal nature. And uh, Ghost Hunters International actually visited there uh, to do an investigation. Now, if you go and you watch the show. Uh, if you enjoy watching the show, you know, I, I, I like to watch these shows because they do delve into the history yep, of exactly the places. Right. I They don't really find anything. You know, there's no real evidence that's that's obtained, but it is an excellent way for you to see the fortress there on mm-hmm. Spike Island to, to get some really good images that you may not just pick up if you Google pictures of, of Fort Mitchell uh, or Spike Island. Right. And so it's worth watching it for that. Um, and it's it's really only half of a full episode where they visit there. Um, but, of course, Ireland, you know, is so beautiful and it's so green. And to see, you know, this uh, 
you know, the, the, the huge cannons and everything, um, you know, surrounding this fortress that, you know, in a, in a large part was the majority of it was destroyed by prison riots. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but again, you know, when we're talking about prison riots, you know, that's, that's going to leave a mark, you know, especially on these, this enormous stone fortress. But, um, but the, the Irish naval cadets that were stationed on Spike Island in the 1980s began to report a lot of strange occurrences that uh, were were very disturbing. You know, they they weren't relishing the fact that they were stationed there. Um, prison guards from the 1980s reported uh, the, the prisoners used to complain of a a black entity that would visit their cells at night. Um, in fact, photographer Shea Wolf captured a photo of this entity back in 2016 and it, it it appears that it's it's coming out of of an empty cell um you know you can actually go and and this is probably one of the the most famous photographs uh taken from the island but you can go uh, and you can look at it and i mean it, it's it's really really cool um you know to to see just I mean, it's, it's hard to explain. I mean, you're looking at it and it's just like, this could be just, you know, a poorly developed, um, poorly developed picture. But I mean, we're talking about 2016. I mean, this was not, um, this was not a situation, um, where somebody wouldn't have, uh, have a digital camera. Sure. So another notable photograph, um, was taken during one of the island's after dark tours and it was taken by Louise Bunyan. Now, the That's picture That's another good name. Yeah, Louise Bunyan. We're not making fun of your name, Louise. Um the picture was of what seemed to be an empty corridor. But Bunyan notes that while taking the photo, the facial facial recognition feature was triggered. So you you use those cameras that it, mm-hmm. it depicts a face. I think the iPhone may do it. Uh, you know, you hold it up and a little box will appear around a face. And so she's taking a picture of what appears to be an empty hallway and a little green box shows up like that would I scare see a you. face. So upon brightening the image, there appears to be an apparition of a man carrying something at the end of the hall. And this is another photograph that you can you can look at there. It's I mean, I bet I looked at it a dozen times. So um, you can look at this photograph and you can see and you can see the original photograph and the one that was brightened in it. And it does appear that you can make out a, a, a face, you know, the body of a man. And it does look like he's carrying some sort of box or chest um, coming out of the hallway. So, you know, it, it's. You know, like I said, you know, take photographic evidence for what it is, but it's a pretty interesting picture. And, um, you know, this really isn't somebody that's, you know, hey, I'm, I'm looking to make a bunch of money off of this. You know, her picture's sure. all over the Internet. She ain't made anything out of it. Um, but staff and visitors have also reported seeing the ghostly form of a woman in white roaming the grounds. Now, I have to mention this because I fell down a rabbit hole chasing another Irish uh, ghost story about a woman in white only to f- only to find out that the picture that was used for this story was of Spike Island and it was not correct. Um, so there's there's multiple women in white ghosts walking around Ireland. So um, apparently, apparently, um, but there's also a banshee on Spike Island and reports are that not only have people heard the the cry of the banshee but they've actually seen her and wow you know i I don't in that ghost hunters international episode they're like burning some kind of incense that's supposed to uh, attract the banshee and i thought why why would you want to do this you know no kidding this this sounds like the worst idea ever (laughs) if you even if you don't don't see her if she screams at you you know it's like oh we're screwed yeah, you know? exactly. Uh, I was going to say, if you don't know why it, it's a really bad idea to attract a banshee, 
go back to our Banshee episode and we'll tell you all about why it's a bad idea. That's exactly right. That whole show is about why it would be bad to attract a Banshee. <laughs> but, you know, hey, what is a what is an Irish haunting without a Banshee? I mean, you know. That's it a just, good point. I mean, you just got to have one. It, it, it'd be like having a Scooby-Doo episode where they didn't talk about these meddling kids. You know, it just <laughs> right. go hand in hand. Um, but one of the other very interesting things is that, uh, some people have seen the apparition of a soldier with large black holes instead of eyes. So, um, that's creepy. Yeah. So it is creepy and we're going to get into this story. So this story, um, I found in many places, but, uh, the one that had the most information was from haunted history. And it relates a tale from the early 1900s. Now, a young girl named Eileen lived on Spike Island as her father was a British soldier stationed there. Now, one thing you got to remember, um, the fort and everything, it Spike Island changed hands a time or two, um, you know, between the Irish and the British. And so while it was occupied by uh, British soldiers, this little girl named Eileen was living there. So one day, while walking past the home of the island's doctor, which was surrounded by a high wall, Eileen saw something looking at her from over the wall. Now, she described the thing as human looking, but described it to be very tall, grisly, and slimy, with two large dark holes where its eyes should have been. Eesh. As, as more of the body became visible, she noticed it wore a British Army uniform. Now, slowly the being slithered over the wall and began moving toward her, screaming. Slithered, slithered is not a slithered, good word. Slithered, <laughs> right. That's yeah. what it says, slithered. Like, yeah. He, he, he appears to be wet. Yeah. But it wasn't raining. So... She screamed and ran and took shelter in the first house she came to. Now, upon telling her story to the woman there, she learned that others had seen something similar in the same location. Weird. She also discovered that when the home was owned by the Irish Army, there were several reports of soldiers having fired upon what they described as a figure, but the shot seemed to have no effect. Now, this quote-unquote soldier had become known as the Gaunt Gunner and was a regular appearance on the island. The fort would often be used for formal gatherings, and young ladies would be driven from the pier to the fort to enjoy dances with the officers. Now, after parties, officers would often tell the ladies to watch out for the Gaunt Gunner when traveling back to the pier. Now, the British vacated the island in 1924, leaving the Irish army in control. And now one night while standing post, an Irish shoulder, soldier noticed someone approaching from the area of an unused storeroom near the guard room. The soldier called out but received no answer, and the figure kept coming. The soldier called again and warned that if the person did not identify themselves, that he would fire. Now, by this point, the guard could see that the figure was wearing a British uniform. And so he shot him. <laughs> now, an officer hearing the gunshot ran to the guard room to see what the disturbance was, only to find the guard feeling rather foolish, having fired on what he saw as an approaching British soldier, but having no body to show for it. Now, the officer initially considered bringing the guard up on charges for firing his weapon unnecessarily, but remembered the story of the gaunt gunner and decided that instead he would stand post with the guard the next night. So again, the figure emerged from the store. He slowly marched towards the two soldiers. So the officer fired his pistol at the figure, but it kept advancing until it passed right through him. So the soldiers were obviously shaken by the event, but that worsened the next morning 
when they learned that the building from which the gaunt gunner had emerged had inexplicably burned to the ground during the night and inquiries into the fire were unable to determine a cause. So, you know, the gaunt gunner, a, a great story and, and there are others. And if you're interested in the story of, um, of Spike Island and, and the history that Adam and I have touched on tonight, um, and, and some of the others there, um, there is a book called Spike Island saints, felons and famine by Michael Martin. And he is, he's done a lot of research on Spike Island and, uh, he actually uh, speaks of a of a legend about two recruits who were on the island uh, doing some training, and during the night, uh, he says that they saw a figure dressed in military gear standing by the fireplace. Now, later that same night, one of the trainees awoke to see the ghostly soldier standing over the bunk of another trainee reaching out for him so that would be creepy it is it, it is creepy and and it's curious that a lot of these these ghostly images you know are are military based um right. you know the soldiers and stuff and we hear that a lot you know especially when it comes to these battlefields and and other places where um where war took place and, you know, you do have to remember, I mean, this was a military fortress for the majority of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so so there was a lot of military activity there besides it being a prison and a monastery. So, you know, the, the, the island served a lot of purposes. Um, well, one of them, one of the craziest stories I heard was, you know, Adam mentioned how the, the fort was kind of sunken down. Uh, so it was a very difficult uh, shot. You know, if it was under like attack from, you know, from ships in the harbor. Um, Mm -hmm. One story that I found talks about that from people that uh, that lived on the island, you know, like we we mentioned the story about Eileen, um, you know, people were just living on the island because their family member was stationed there. Right. Um, They said that um, the graves were dug very poorly. And the nature of the soil on the island would cause um, these graves that were not kept up to uh, to the the ground would sink in over top of the graves and they would fill with water and they would freeze and the children (laughs) would go out and ice skate on them. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) That's I skate on your grave. (laughs) Right. New movie. Yeah. So copyright that one. I mean, you know, you can't make this stuff up. You know, but but it, it is it is an amazing, interesting place. Um, you know, so if 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 Irish history is interesting to you, if you know, this you know, the these stories of these old prisons and fortresses and these hauntings and stuff, um, you know, looking into this more uh, I think you'd probably enjoy it. I know, I know, I did. I enjoyed reading these stories, and I, I, I love uh, Irish legends and 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 the Irish hauntings. And so, um, with it being Halloween, that's Adam and I thought, you know, a a a, a good haunted place in Ireland was was great um, yeah. to do for the month of October. Um, but you know, what do you guys think? I mean, is this one of these places that's just it's just really old and it's kind of creepy and people let their imaginations run wild when they're there. Um, or, you know, could there be something going on there? I mean, you know, is there, there, like I said, there's, there's not a lot of evidence. Um, but what the reports and the stories that we've had over the years, they're pretty compelling. You know, that, like I said, you know, when I mentioned, uh, uh, Mr. Losty, you know, he was a, a former, uh, you know, officer on the island. You know, this guy does not look like somebody that's going to just, you know, <laughs> tell you something that's pull it out of his rear end. I mean, you know, right. so I think people people have legitimately seen some things and experienced some things that that uh, that make it seem like, you know, it, it, it's a it, it's a cool place 
in Ireland to visit if you're into scary haunted looking places. So, and right. like I said, you and can go out, you can go there and tour. You know, I would totally do that. I would, I'd be down for a, a tour of this place. Yeah, yeah. The the tour they said you know takes about three and a half hours. Um, you know, you go out there by ferry. You know, so they they put you on a boat, take you out there. Um, you know, and it's and it's after dark. You know, it's at night. So I mean, a lot of creepy stuff. And they, you know, from what I've seen, they they do it upright. So, um, you know, if you if you're in Ireland, you know, and you you've thought, well, I wonder if I should go do something really spooky for Halloween this year. This this would be a good shot if you know yep. if if the times work out. You know, I'd say, you know, give it a go. So definitely give but, it a go uh, um and and like matt said let us know if you think this is legit or not because we're always interested in what you guys think um hit us up on all the social medias or email us or go to our website and drop us a note there we get those emails so let us know let's start talking about it and uh and go check out our website because it's it's graveyardpodcast.com and on the website you can Listen to the show. You can find links to buy Graveyard Tales merchandise. You can see pictures of Adam and myself and learn a little bit more about us. And you can become a patron. And we always want to thank everyone who has donated to the show. It really helps us keep it moving and produce better content for you guys. You can check us out on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just go search Graveyard Tales. Um, and you can get in our Facebook group where you'll find a lot more discussions of personal stories, experiences, a lot of jokes, just some really good camaraderie. And it's a safe place for everybody to come and, and talk about this kind of stuff that, that Adam and I hold so dear to do this show. So oh uh, yeah. until next time, we'll save you a seat in the graveyard. See you soon. Um, so there was a guy, uh, by the name of Joseph Dwyer and he was known as the grave digger. And I'm, I'm sitting here watching Matt fight another bug. I got a stink bug on my mic. At least it's not a wasp this time. Uh, there's one in here somewhere. I've seen it. <laughs> oh, I see it, Matt. Get it. Get it. There we go. I hate these damn stink <laughs> bugs. I'm ready. I'm ready to be done with stink bug season. Yeah. Another month. Ugh.